0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. In his earlier film, Happiness, French director Thomas Balmas followed the life of Payangi, a young monk in Bhutan. Then the eight year old Peyangi was waiting expectantly in his remote mountain village for the arrival of electricity, which would bring something the whole village was looking forward to TV. A decade later, there's a new innovation. It's called the Internet. In Sing Me a Song, the director returns to visit who who is now 17, still a monk. And just like his friends at the monastery, he and his cell phone are inseparable. I'm going to leave it there because there is so much. This is an incredible film. The film is called Sing Me a Song, and we're very honored to have with us today the director, Tomá Balvas. Tomá, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. As I said in the introduction, this is in some ways, sequel might be the right word, but how would you describe uh, Sing Me a Song in relationship to your previous film, Happiness?
1: Well, I like to say that... uh... Sing Me A Song is not the sequel, uh, but uh, I would say that uh, Happiness is a prequel, because my always original idea was to do Sing Me A Song, was to to film the impact of uh, these mobile phones on the community, which uh, would have been previously not connected to any of these tools, uh, both internet, uh, television, and mobile phones, uh, and to follow the impact of this technology through a, a number of years, unfortunately, uh, when I did uh, happiness, um, there have been the country went through huge rains, which didn't allow the construction of the road and the arrival of electricity to arrive, a- and so I did another film, w- which was uh, the waiting of this uh, uh, technology, uh, and only ended in the last minute by the old village watching television, but I couldn't. F- film the impact at all because it arrived too late. So uh, I did other projects and worked a little bit in between, but then one day I decided to go back and return to Bhutan and do my original idea, and which is what I did with Sing Me a Song.
0: Yeah, the, the village is called, Laya, Laya, and as you point out at the beginning of that, of this film, Sing Me a Song, it is it's essentially the last place on earth that does not have television or internet. I, that's amazing. First of all, that you're able to fest that out, but tell us yeah, what the, that like? The
1: village is the village is situated at uh, four thousand meters high. Until uh, until ten years ago, there was absolutely no way to reach it, but just to walk in between two and three days and take one day drive from the capital. So this was almost like four days from the city, and little by little. A road what was constructed, and they they were finally connected, but only uh, since a few years.
0: It's just amazing, and and there's something about watching young people adapt to a new world that they obviously previously had no, probably in some ways no idea what all of it meant, and then with its arrival, this uh, this socialization that takes place. I mean because. People of this age, that Peyangi is, are looking for the world. They're they're searching out ways in which to experience the world. So it's not completely a surprise that they would adapt so quickly. However, what was it like for you to return to this, to this village, to this place, and see what had taken place, and sort of your visceral reaction to it? And I, I, let me, before you answer, there is a scene in the film, and I know you know what I'm talking about, where there's kind of a tracking shot along a row of these students who are hoping to become mm-hmm. llamas or be, become monks that is is in some ways the most um, striking example of the world we live in that I can think of at this point. But go ahead, please. Uh, what was it like for <laughs> well, you when you arrived back in town, essentially?
1: Well, after I would say that after having worked like I did uh, at every corner of the world, like in Papua New Guinea, in India, in Namibia, in uh, South America, uh, in the last 20 years, I realized that all these things that you would expect uh, to be so different are not and they're like, you know, uh, potentially, you know, when when TV arrived in Bhutan, uh, in this Buddhist country, where killing a fly was almost considered as a murder, you know, and uh, the violence against a fly was inconceivable. There were absolutely no jails in Bhutan. There were very little domestic violence. There was absolutely no use of drug. There was, uh, so this was a kind of middle-aged country, uh, totally disconnected until 98 with the rest of the world. And guess what, when finally they get connected and are able to watch more than 50 channels, what are they picking up among these 50 channels? They are picking up porn and American wrestling. And uh, for many years, these were the two favorite uh, programs that Bhutanese watched, uh, Buddhists in the monasteries everywhere. And it was the same thing. And and, and so they're like not that different from uh, anyone in Texas or anywhere in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is something you can think about. How can a country totally disconnected from the rest of the world, just ending up picking up among everything they could, porn and American wrestling?
0: (laughs) To you, does that indicate that we're wired the same way? What does that tell you about sort of humanity?
1: Well, I think that uh, there is a kind of laziness, uh, which is totally universal and which is potentially bringing us to choose uh, the lowest aspects of our uh, human uh, nature. And you go to Japan today, you have like a sadomasochistic uh, TV programs where you have people being put in a box with some snakes who are totally humiliated and beaten up by others. And uh, you go to, this is worldwide. And and you, you go to France, the, the cheapest, we have Arte, which is a very good cultural channel, which has been co-funding this program. Uh, but but the people, the main people where they are watching, they're like watching the worst program you can find in the world. And, and with different kind of cultures, with different kind of background, Bhutanese are the same. And look at what the people were watching in the U.S. for uh, years, which allowed you to have this fantastic president you just... Uh, yeah. don't have since a few days i think we are the old world is being drawn in the same way with our lowest common uh, things uh, that we share
0: impulses yeah uh, um you know it's funny because i had this conversation recently with a with another filmmaker that with the advent of television back in the 50s the the, the commercialization the, the widespread use of television certainly here in the united states and beyond it was sold as something of a higher or of an of a higher cultural order than that when when we had access to seeing the rest of the world and when people around the world had access to seeing the rest of the world we would become more humane we would understand each other better we would be we would be better as humans for having television because it was going to afford us this opportunity to understand the world around us
1: like internet internet started being something being used among universities to share knowledge and uh, books and all that, and culture. And this was culture for the whole world. Is it is it the case today? You know, among everything that you can do with the internet, in the same way, I think people are doing the less interesting stuff they can. Worldwide, internet is being used in the same way that the Bhutanese were watching porn and American wrestling. In the same way, internet through mobile phones or through... Uh, most of the computer is being used mainly, mainly for what? For TikTok, for uh, Instagram, for uh, Facebook, for uh, uh, exchanging the most stupid things you can uh, exchange. Uh, mm. And and only 0.1% are d- using it for what it can bring you, yeah. which is there, but yeah. very few, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for indulging me in that conversation, because I, it just, it is amazing. And especially when you see this part of the world, this village, th- this culture that is so immersed in the idea of the, of the spiritual, of understanding humanity, a connection to a greater power, greater something greater than yourself, to be so much a part of the fabric of that community. But I want to talk to you about some the these people that we get to meet. I mentioned Pianki as well as the woman that he becomes involved with. I'm not quite certain how to characterize. Their, yeah, again, U- and how her story illuminates something about the world we live in that is just utterly fascinating. Uh, her, her own story is remarkable. Tell us a little bit about her.
1: Well. Uh, like like uh, this is a phenomenon which is uh, uh, happening a lot in, uh, in all this part of Asia, you know, like uh, uh, people leave the countryside and trying to, to work and find uh, something to work in the cities. And it's uh, there's not that much to do. And uh, since a few years, the king of Kuwait in Bhutan has developed some very uh, strong relationship with the king of Bhutan and uh, has uh, invited some uh, uh, young to come and work in Kuwait in the same way that you have um, thousands of uh, Nepalese who went to build the stadium for the World Cup in, um, in Qatar, uh, just uh, close to Kuwait. Uh, you, you, you had a, a smaller but still uh, beginning of immigration from Bhutan. For all this new generation, uh, who are jobless in Bhutan, to to go and work in malls, in hotels, and in restaurants as uh, service people, and this is uh, again is one of them. She has just left her; she's just leaving her uh, two years, uh, three years old daughter to for a few years uh, to go and work and uh, and earn some money in the uh, in the Middle East.
0: She is a fascinating character, and the the relationship she has with. Pyonki is uh is interesting and it just makes so much of the sort of emotional core of the film, you know, just it it resonates uh from from there. I want to remind our listeners that we're <clears throat> talking, excuse me, we're talking with the director of this remarkable documentary film um on, on it's so many levels. It's it's your ability to to really follow and get inside the the worlds of these different people is an amazing talent. We're talking with the director, Toma Balmas, and he is the um, director of Sing Me a Song. I want to talk to you about your technique as, as a director and your ability to kind of ensconce yourself with these people so that it feels literally like you're not there, that somehow this magical camera is following these people around and living their lives. And I'll go to that, what I referred to earlier, there's a tracking shot of the monks praying and uh, that is amazing. But tell us what, what I'm referring to. Talk, talk to our audience about the uh, uh, what you captured in that moment.
1: Uh, well, uh, it's just like the morning prayer where all the monks, uh, as soon as there is no surveillance of uh, any headmaster, uh, which is happening a lot because uh, they also have other things to do, uh, as soon as they are by themselves, um, Use this freedom to to pray and 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 play uh, to video games, to watch American wrestling, or to uh, to watch uh, American uh, uh, French football or whatever. Uh, and in the same time, you hear them praying every day and uh, and and using their mobile phones to to do something else. Uh, but again, uh, I would say that beside the fact that they are monks, this is also something that I'm observing at home every day when I'm coming back and when I see my teenagers, uh, uh, one of my sons who is pretending to read his history book, and I just put my head behind his book and he's he's hiding a a mobile phone and doing something totally different. So I think you you, you go worldwide in every room of every teenager, even whatever country, they would do the same. Uh, And the, the kind of addiction that this screens have uh developed among their users and especially among this generation is uh is the same and very similar to to have a, a from the one of a crack addict uh drug guy uh and if you take it away from them they're gonna really uh, develop huge frustration you know yeah. and it's something uh, of the same nature and um and, and i felt that um this could uh, this could be a starting point to 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 show this to 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 think with our relationship with that. Uh, but I, I'm speaking about teenagers, but I, I don't think there is a huge difference in between teenagers and older generation. Maybe not every generation, but even uh, people who are like in the 40s or in their uh, almost 50s uh, wouldn't be that different from them. I would say.
0: I would like to ask you about the way in which you are able to embed yourself with these stories and and that's not just in sing me a song but also what you did with happiness all of your films you seem to have developed a style of very observational but the but you're so in in the middle of all of it tell me what what how do you go about achieving that well i mean it's uh it's
1: people think that it's more difficult to work in Papua New guinea or in bhutan or in namibia or where than to work in the U.S. I I, I would say that it's even easier. Uh, and for example, um, uh, in countries where you are not too much thinking about your own image and uh, what the people are going to think of what you're going to say and how you're going to express yourself, and uh, uh, you have some kind of uh, very natural way of uh, of uh, expressing yourself and telling things and uh, which is much more interesting for me than in countries where people would like think 20 times or I'm going to look, I'm going to (laughs) be dressed and uh, I should uh, put. So uh, I would say that on the opposite way of what the people think, this is much easier to work among these communities who are not too much concerned about their representation, I would say. But that's not the main reason why I'm working among these communities. The reason I'm working among these communities is to create some stories, which are in a way disconnected a little bit from where they are being made. You know, when I'm working in Papua New Guinea or you working know, in Bhutan, I, I, this is really not the subject of the film. I, I, I'm trying to to kind of trick the viewer in uh, in, in thinking he's going to see something super exotic and it's going to be very different and realizing at the end that everything we're going to speak about and show and feel is something very similar to what he's experimenting with his wife or kid or parents, whoever. And and this is what I'm looking for. And this is where I'm working on is like changing paradigm to reconsider our own paradigm. And by, uh, instead of looking at the world like a ethnograph or an anthropologue, I'm I'm being uh, I'm using the western society uh, being observed by this country that we usually look at by inverting the perspective
0: well the film is called sing me a song and it's remarkable and I can't wait to dive into the body of your work which I've, I've alluded to this is uh, on for on me this is on me for this is the first film I've seen of yours and I fully intend to uh, work my way through through your catalog. It, it's all well, the things that I've seen uh, look remarkable. So, Toma Balmas, thank you so very much for being here today on Film School Radio. really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films.